0: Well, it's wonderful to see you all today. Thank you for coming. just want to know that we're very grateful that you came to join with us this morning. I'm going to spend a bit of time just uh, actually taking a break from the series we've been on. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. I'm looking at the Beatitudes, really stirring, challenging stuff. It's certainly um, challenged me, that's for sure. But for a few weeks, just a little bit of a, a break. Next Sunday, we will have a normal service, probably a little bit shorter, the 29th. And then we have uh, the 6th, uh, or the 5th, I think it is, Mike White's going to be preaching. And then we'll be back with the Sermon on the Mount on, I think it's the 12th of January, I believe. Anyway, I'm going to read a bit from Psalm 37 this morning, and I'm going to read just the first few verses. It's a great psalm, actually. It's a real treasure trove. First 1 says, Don't worry about the wicked, or envy those who do wrong. For like grass they will soon fade away, like spring flowers they soon wither. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him and he will help you. I'm going to stop there, I could keep going on. What we have here, I suppose, is just a snapshot, really. Just I'm look at verses 3, 4, and 5 today, but particularly verse 4. And if we read verses 3, 4, and 5, what we see there is there are, there's a sequence of actions and consequences. A, a series of seeds that if we will sow those seeds, there's fruit that we will reap as a result of that. The clauses are if and then. Starts off with imperatives. These are the things that you must do. Verse 3, trust. Do good. Verse 4, take delight. Verse 5, commit everything you do to the Lord. Those are very active, aren't they? They require us to do something. But they're also relational. Commit and trust and delight. And for each of those imperatives, there's a benefit or reward. I don't know about you, but I think it's good news that if we will trust in the Lord and do good, then we will live safely in the land and prosper. Anyone apart from me fancy that? Living safely in the land and prospering? The word prosper is so much more than in our limited mind we might put it towards finance, but it's an all-inclusive word. It literally means an overflow or an abundance or having more than enough. Would you like to have more than enough? Then it goes on, verse four. It talks about having our hearts' desires fulfilled. Isn't something wonderful about having those dreams fulfilled, those desires coming to fruition? Proverbs thirteen twelve says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when dreams come true, there is life and joy." And then verse five says, "Commit everything you to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you." Anyone in this room apart from me who could perhaps use some of that help? Maybe every now and again on the way. Let's have a quick look at those three uh, imperatives. Number one, trust in the Lord. This is verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. The Amplified says trust, lean on, rely on and be confident in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on his faithfulness, and truly you shall be fed. In my notes are I just put yes, please, to that. And the if clause is if we will trust, if we will lean, if we will rely, if we will do good. That's the if. The then is in the amplified, dwelling in the land, feeding surely on his faithfulness, the God who is always with us, who's always there for us. And truly you shall be fed. Verse 5, commit everything you do to the Lord. Everything. Trust him. That's the if. The then is he will help you. You Now once it's been committed to the Lord, it becomes his responsibility. He takes the burden. He kicks into gear at that point, we can hold these things to ourselves, but as soon as we release them to him, they become so much more powerful. The New King James says, Commit everything you do to the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. The English Standard verse says, and he will act. Once we've committed it to the Lord, once we've placed it in his hands, then he is able to act on our behalf. And I'd say, why would we do anything? Why would we want to do anything outside of that? And verse 4 is the one I want to zoom in on today, which says, delight yourselves in the Lord. That's the if. Delight yourselves in the law. The then is, he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's just park there just for a minute. What are the desires of your heart? What the Amplified calls the secret petitions of your heart. What are the things that are stirring in your heart? What can you perhaps see, you know what I mean by that, what can you see but you haven't reached yet? What are the dreams and the longings and the passions maybe you've never even shared with anybody else? Perhaps you're not even quite sure why they're there or where they'll take you. But the fact is they are there. Maybe they keep you awake at night. Maybe your heart skips a beat every time you think about them. And there's a strong sense that God has put those dreams and those desires in your heart for a reason. Maybe those desires, those dreams are personal. Maybe they're related to your talents and your gifts, your calling. Maybe it's related to your work and your business. Maybe it's achieving a certain goal or making a breakthrough, going to the next level. At times that dream seems far off. Other times it's almost as though you can taste it. Maybe those desires, that dream, is related to the flourishing of your children, them accomplishing something significant, them serving God powerfully. Maybe those desires are faith-related, seeing God do amazing things in and through his church, revival, the place in God's presence that you long to go to. The lost soul that you're yearning to see saved. The good news that I get out of Psalm 37 verse 4 is that God wants to grant the desires of your heart. In fact, God is in the business of fulfilling desires. Literally, the word desires in that text means earnest longings, petitions, requests that you might make from the superior one, the one who has the authority. It literally means a supplication or a prayer. God is in the business of fulfilling desires. You know, as people of faith, I think we're, we're familiar with and we're happy with Philippians 4, verse 19. I'll quote it for you. It says, My God, this is the Amplified, My God will liberally supply, will fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I think we're comfortable, aren't we, praying that God will fulfill our needs, but are we comfortable asking God to fulfill our desires? Well, for me, Psalm 37 verse 4 takes this onto another plane. It's not just just needs that God longs to fulfill for us, in us, through us, but actually the desires of our heart. Psalm 84, text you may be familiar with, verse 10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I love that. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is not a withholder. God is a blesser. He is a fulfiller, a rewarder. This is God's heart. He's not some cosmic meanie. He's not some super holy party pooper. He is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor on his children. The New Living Translation talks about grace and glory. And it says the one who trusts, one who trusts him is blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied, as the Amplified says. God is not a withholder. He is a fulfiller. Another passage, a little passage we're used to Matthew chapter 7 says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So kind of holding that in mind, back to Psalm 37, verse 4. Says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, if God is a dream fulfiller, the question becomes, what's our part? What's the key that unlocks the door? What's what's the obedience step that produces this blessing, this favour, this honour? What is the seed, if you like, that produces that fruit? And the answer is, The key is delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. To which I'd say, great, let's do that. But what does that really mean? I'm not sure that the word delight is a word that we tend to use so much these days. So, to to probe and, and ask the question, what does it mean to delight in the Lord? How do we do that? I'm going to take you to another passage, and that is Job chapter 22. Again, it's a passage I quote from frequently. And I'll read you a chunk here, actually, and there's a process that it takes through. I'd like you to notice that the, in the middle, there's the target verse that talks about delighting. Before that, there's a series of instructions, guidelines, imperatives. These are the things that we must do that make up the delighting. The delighting comes in the middle, and after that, there are the rewards and the blessings that come when we delight ourselves in the Lord. It's a great passage. I'll read it from verse 21. It says, Submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. Listen to his instructions and store them in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. So clean up your life. If you give up your lust for money and throw your precious gold into the river, the Almighty himself will be your treasure he will be your precious silver. Here we go, verse 26. Then you will take delight in the Almighty and look up to God. And here come the benefits. You will pray to Him and He will hear you. And you will fulfill your vows to Him. You will succeed in whatever you choose to do, and light will shine on the road ahead of you. Again, three sections. The first one is the imperatives. These are the things we must do. We'll have a look at those at the moment. They comprise the delighting. And then this middle verse that says, if you do that, then you will take delight. Then you will be delighting in. And then those last two verses, which I think are fantastic, the rewards, the blessings of that. So let's look at the commands. There's there's three, essentially, that we're going to look at. If we do this, I can confidently say, in our life, we will qualify as one who is delighting. In the Lord, and the first one is uh, verse twenty-one, which says, "Submit to God, and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you." You know, the idea of submitting to God carries so many different facets, and that's why if you look that verse up in different translations, you'll see they all render it slightly differently. The NIV says, "Submit to God and be at peace with Him." The New American Standard says, yield now, yield, and be at peace with Him. The King James says, acquaint now thyself with Him and be at peace. Those, those different words paint a bit of a picture of what it means to submit to God. There's two sides to this, I'd say. First of all, there's, a, there's an intentional side, and secondly, there's a relational side. The intentional side is this, there must be a submission. There must be a conforming, a conforming of our will to his. There must be a yielding. You know what that means? When two people are butting heads against either one of us has got to yield. One of us has got to step back and let the other one be the authority. And there's got to be a, a consecrating. There's got to be a giving up of ourselves to him. There's intent in that. We have to do that. It's an act of the will. The second side is the intentional side, captured by the King James that says, acquaint yourself with God. Acquainting is about intimacy. It's about pressing in to relationship. See, we need to know how God thinks. We need to know how God speaks. We need to know how God acts. We need to know what motivates God, what moves him, what matters to him, what pleases him. That old song that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. So two sides to submitting. The intentional side, we have to do this. This is an imperative. God isn't going to do this for us. We have to do that. But there is a relational side. There's a, there's a sense to which he invites us into this as his children. So, if that's what we have to do, if there's a submitting, conforming, acquainting, all of that kind of stuff, there are really two key components to that. Two key components to this surrendering, to this conforming of our will, to this cultivating of our relationship with him. And It's very simple. It's the word and it's worship. Word and worship. And it's in those two things that that, that's where he, he captures our heart. Or where we capture his heart. That's where his will is known, both his general will and his specific will. We understand the general will of God is what God has said and stated in his word, but there's also a specific will of what God wants to say specifically to you in a situation. It's in that place of word and that place of worship that God is able to reveal that will. The, the, the place of word and worship is the place where, where direction is given, where correction is made. Actually, it's the place where desires are born and desires are honed and desires are refined. So the first part of our delighting is submitting. The second part is verse 22. says, listen to his instructions and store them in your heart. You know, we delight in the Lord by walking in the light of his word. Pretty simple stuff, really. By feeding on it. By standing on it. By trusting in it. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Verse 22, again, is translated in different ways. Um, Listen to his instructions, clause 1. Store them in your heart, clause 2. The first one, the listen... It's normally translated receive or accept. You know, there's one thing to hear. There's another thing to receive. There's another thing to accept. There's another thing to take them in. There's listening, right? And then there's listening. And the first part is we have to listen to what he says. The second part, um, store them in your heart, is generally trans- translated keep them. Keep them in your heart. Lay them up in your heart. Take them to heart. And actually, the literal idea here is it's a kind of construction word. It's the idea of establishing or erecting or planting something. We have to establish, we have to plant God's word in our heart. In other words, God's word has to become our pillar. It has to become our rock. It has to become our anchor. This is what it means to delight in the Lord. Psalm 1 Says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Same picture there same kind of pattern. So a major part of delighting is giving the word of God priority, prominence, preeminence. Psalm 119, verse 16 I delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. Verse 24, your statutes are my delight, they are my counselors. Verse 35 Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Verse 47, for I delight in your commands because I love them. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, Romans seven twenty-two says, for in my inner being, in my heart, I delight in God's law, in God's word. As a statement, you will never delight in the Lord more than you delight in his word. You will never delight in the Lord more than you delight in his word. There's a quote for you from Derek Prince that many of you may know. And he said, your attitude towards God's word is your attitude towards God himself. You do not love God more than you love his word. You do not obey God more than you obey his word. You do not honor God more than you honor his word. You do not have more room in your heart and life for God than you have for his word. So the second part of delighting is listening to his word, storing it up in your heart. And then the third one is verse 23, says, If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored, so clean up your life. The next part of delighting is to turn your back on sin. Again, there's there's an active side To this, And there's a relational side. The the active side is there's an intentionality to this. I have to avoid this. I have to move away from this. But there's also a relational side, a desire in us not to grieve, not to hurt the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that a bit in the last few weeks. Most, Most translations actually don't paraphrase it to clean up your life. Actually, they talk about removing wickedness far from your tent, all right, it's a picture, isn't it? I, I can, I can visualise that. Take it away from your tent, where you are, where you live. Take it as far away as you possibly can and abandon it there. We don't play with it. We don't entertain it or flirt with it. We, don't, we avoid it. We run from it. We resist it. We hate it. We despise it. We reject it. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Avoid every kind of evil. This is part of our act of delighting in the Lord. King James says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. If it looks like evil, if it smells like evil, if it sounds like evil, it probably is. Abstain from it. Run from it. Flee from it. Proverbs 8.13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance evil behaviour and perverse speech. You could add to that list doubt and fear and unbelief, laziness, malice, anger, gossip, selfish ambition, whatever you like, add it on. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. There's a slightly more positive flip to that. Psalm 145 verse 19 says, He will fulfil the desires of those who reverently and worshipfully Fear him. Again, Proverbs eight thirty three. Part of fearing of the Lord is the hating of evil. It's the removing of wickedness far from your tent. And it says here that he will fill the desires of those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. Psalm 34, verse 9 and 10 says, O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, revere and worship him. For there is no want to those who truly revere and worship him godly fear. Isn't that amazing? There is no want. Verse 10, The young lions lack food and suffer hunger, but they who seek, inquire of, and require the Lord by right of their need and on the authority of his word, none of them shall lack any beneficial thing. See how there's a pattern developing here. So that's the nitty-gritty, the nuts and bolts. That's what delighting in the Lord actually looks like. That's how we do it. And then we have verses 25 and 26. Verse 24, actually, i read from. It says, If you give up your lust for money and throw your precious gold into the river, the Lord, the Almighty himself, will be your treasure. He will be your precious silver. Then you will take delight in the Almighty and look up to God. Key word there is this word, then. Once you've done that, then you will find delight. Delight literally means to give pleasure to, or to be pleasing to. You know, I I think that's a lofty ambition. Don't we want our lives to be pleasing to the Lord? Don't we want to please him with what we think and what we say and what we do? Well, if we do, the way we do that, the delighting is accomplished by fulfilling the conditions of those first three verses, by walking in and by prioritising those things. Submitting to God. Listening to, receiving and walking in his word. Avoiding evil. Sin. Far, removing it far from your tents. And then the benefits of doing that are tremendous. Look in verse 27, verse 28. The first one, you will pray to him and he will hear you. Second one, you will succeed in whatever you choose to do. And the third one, light will shine on the road ahead of you. I don't know about you, but I could do with some of that in my life. So let's, let's pull all that together. Delight, delighting in the Lord is a powerful thing. Delighting in the Lord, if you like, will result in a whole lot of ducks pointing in the right direction. If you've done, fulfilled those three ifs. It will result in a, a natural realigning of your priorities, a reestablishing in your life of order and authority. I think, what an impact. Focusing on God's word and focusing on worship in your personal life and corporate life, think what an impact that could make. And then taking it back into Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The benefit of delighting in the Lord is that that is the climate in which desires are fulfilled. Delight, if you like, is an incubator. It's a greenhouse where dreams are formed, where desires grow and reach their fulfillment. And I think you can read Psalm 37 verse 4 one of two ways. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The first way of reading it is this. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you your desires. He will fulfill your desires, the desires that are in your heart. And that's great. That's true. But the, the, the slight twist, slightly different way of looking at it is that if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires. He will give desires. He will plant desires. He will place desires, godly desires, his desires in our hearts. And I think the best is, when, is the point when, when our desires and God's desires become the same. That point where we're on the same page, where we have the shared passions and goals, where he has stirred us and we have responded. And I, I love this pick, this idea that if I will delight in the Lord, he will give me desires. He will place dreams and visions and passions in my heart. And I go back through the Old Testament, think of situations where that has taken place. Think of Abraham. What was the seed? What was the dream? What was the desire that God placed in his heart? Desire to, to, to be the father of a great nation. You know, that was an impossible dream, wasn't it? They were barren. There was no way that could be fulfilled without supernatural intervention. I'd like to suggest that Abraham delighted in the Lord, that he submitted to God. He listened to and stored up and obeyed radically what God said. He removed wickedness far from his tent, didn't he? The hallmarks of what Abraham did. Other examples of seeds planted. What about Joseph? What was the dream that he sought? Got him into a bit of trouble, didn't it? His dream was a dream of leadership. He just knew, he sensed one day, he was going to be in a position of of, of leadership in government. God placed that dream in his heart. He didn't know what to do with it. But as time went on, as he delighted in God, as I believe he fulfilled these conditions, he saw that dream come to pass in a stunning way. For David, it was the building of a temple. For Billy Graham, it was the saving of millions of souls. How was the seed, the dream that God planted in his heart? So, let's swing that back around to you and say, what about you? What is the dream that God has planted in your heart? What are the desires, the longings, the passions on the inside of you? Because as you, as Psalm 37 verse 4 says, as you delight yourself in the Lord, he plants and fulfills those desires. That desire may be the desire to pray. It may be the desire to serve. It may be the desire to see souls saved. What I'd say is allow that desire to grow on the inside of you. Don't rush it. Don't push it. And What happens actually is delighting in him is a watering process. Remember 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 where Paul said I planted the seed Apollos watered it but God gave the increase. God made it grow. Only God can make that desire grow into what it needs to be. What we have to do is we have to water that seed and the way we do it is this process of delighting in him. Proverbs sixteen nine: In his heart a man plans his course but the Lord determines his steps. See how important God's Part is in this. Proverbs 19, 21. Well, many other plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. When the time is right, the seed that he has placed inside of you will be birthed. What do we have to do? We have to delight ourselves in the Lord. Let's kind of wrap this up, and I'm going to give you a bit of a challenge. Just three quick points. Number one, you do the delighting. And he does the fulfilling. Don't get those two the wrong way around. You do the lighting, he does the fulfilling. It's the sowing and reaping principle. Number two, the delight comes before the fulfilling. Again, it's an if, then. If you will delight yourselves, then he will fulfill the desires of your heart. And third summary point is God's best is when your desires and his desires become one and the same so leave you with a bit of a challenge this morning the the new year gives a wonderful opportunity doesn't it for reflection for realignment I don't know about you I'm charging like a mad bull I think into the new year and if not not careful it's going to be January the 6th and I won't even have noticed or processed anything New Year gives a wonderful opportunity for a new start. You may even be bold enough to make a resolution or two. So in the context of that, in the context of reflection, challenge there, I guess, is does your lifestyle, does your time management, do your priorities reflect a man or woman delighting in the Lord? Can people see that on you? Are you a person of the word and a person of worship? Do you unconditionally yield to God and his word? Do you love his word? Do you delight in his ways? Or are you resistant? Do you run away from anything, any sin, any evil that might jeopardize this? So I'm going to give you two challenges, actually. The first one is to ask the Holy Spirit to show you today, as you look back 2013, look forward to 2014, are there any areas in your life that you need to submit to him afresh? Any part of those three conditions, those three ifs that I gave you, that you need to grab hold of and say, do you know what, I need to do that, I need to run away from evil. There's, there's something that I need to remove far from my tent. I mustn't play with this any longer. It's got to go. Do you have that, that, that passion for his word and to worship him and to listen to what he says and to store it up and grow strong in your heart? And are you submitted to God? Are you yielded to him? Are you acquainted with him? Are you in relationship, fellowship with him? Have you surrendered to him? You know, and I... I stand at the front with a microphone and splurt a lot of words and that's wonderful I'm sure but at the end of the day what's God saying to you what's the Holy Spirit stirring is there anything that says you know what there's this little course correction that needs to be made here we'll, we'll respond in a minute John will lead us in a bit of worship and I'm going to give you the opportunity just to ask God that question is there anything inside of me Holy Spirit that you are just nudging and poking today and the second part of the response, that's number one. Number two is, what about the desires of your heart? Are you making progress? Are there dreams inside of you that, that are frustrated? Maybe, maybe even dreams, old dreams that seem to have died. And if you have dreams, today's a great opportunity to refocus on those. It's an opportunity to rededicate them to the Lord, Ask him to stir them up again. And perhaps if, you, if you're sitting there thinking, well, that's great. I don't have anything lofty or wonderful or I don't have any passions particularly that I even think of. Then I'd say to you today, why don't you ask? Just pray and say, Lord, just stir in my heart. Just give me something, some dream, some desire, some purpose. Lord, you've said if I will delight myself in you, you will give me the desires of my heart. And so wherever you fall on that spectrum, I just encourage you today and just say, and ask the Lord and say, okay, what do I do with this? What do I do with this dream? I know what God will say. He'll say, delight yourself in me. Don't don't look at the dream per se. Don't look at the goal per se. Look at me. Delight yourself in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. So the first part of the response is, say, okay, Lord, is there anything you're showing me, nudging, poking today? And the second one is to take your dreams and your desires, those things that you're holding, take them to the Lord today and say, okay, Father, what are you calling me to do? Let's pray. I'll ask John if he would mind coming forward. And Mary, I think. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father it's so good to know that you are a God who doesn't withhold but a God who blesses. You know there's something amazing about a longing fulfilled. There are reasons why you plant desires and dreams in our hearts. We have some of those and we we know they didn't come from us. We know that you've placed them in there perhaps because they're unusual, perhaps because they're extremely difficult. Lord, I believe that you're in the business of planting desires and fulfilling desires because you want to use us for your glory. In this room today are many people at different places. Some are on the crest of seeing a dream fulfilled. Thank you, Lord, for that. Some people are perhaps frustrated, wondering what to do with this. Maybe it's died, the embers are only just still alight. Maybe there are others thinking, oh, if only I had something like that. Something that I could grab a hold of to give me that purpose. And Lord, I just pray as we respond this morning, as we take those questions to you, Lord, I just pray that everyone would have an open heart. It's so easy just to tuck it away and say, no, I'm not going to attend to that. But there's something powerful about listening to what you've said. It may just be a small thing. Something powerful about doing that and seeing things changed. So Lord, as we spend the next five, ten minutes in worship, in response, we'd say, Lord, come and do business with our heart. Come and show us if there's anything we need to do or change. Show us, Lord, what we need to do with those dreams. In Jesus' name. Amen.